And so I want to talk about the abuse of liberty, the abuse of liberty. And of course, we live in a day and age, and we got to be careful because I think what happens is, is we, we kind of get kind of tolerant because there's so many false movements out of there. And, and all we, we all know people that, that, have, uh, that are belonging to movements that maybe have a wrong idea of the gospel or a law-based mentality. Uh, you know, not just the main ones like Seventh-day Adventist and Jehovah's Witness and so forth, but there are just so many different isms and schisms out there. You just can't keep up with this stuff. Uh, so basically what we need to do is just keep this in our mind as we are uh, working at a church like this because we are a church based on liberty. We want, we want to experience the liberty that we have in Christ, but we don't want to abuse that liberty. We want to use it uh, for what God designed it to be. And so you will have people, folks, it's not going to be even be your choice. It's going to be Satan working to always infiltrate and bring people into the church with a slightly twist on the message. And if you're not wise about this, um, you're going to get pulled into relationships with people that you're going to, it's going to have a hard, you're going to have a hard time getting out of, you know, and uh, you, you got to learn to discern when they start saying certain things, you know, because there is such a thing as a heretic out there. And I, I don't want to, you know, just be mean to people and, and uh, you know, just uh, treat everybody like a heretic that doesn't believe like me. But folks, when they start talking about, you know, oh, you got to do this for salvation or, hey, you got to do this and that's sin and that's sin, you got to be careful uh, of how you actually approach these people because the Bible has very strong views about those that add anything to the gospel. And so don't get too tolerant in this tolerant society that we live in. Uh, we're, you know, the, the world calls us as Christians very intolerant, and it truly is. Uh, we were intolerant towards anything that is not truth. We have to only be tolerant to truth. Amen? And so we've got to be very careful. But Galatians 6, verse 12, it says this, As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision but a new creature." And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that you would just bless, Lord, this time together. Help us, Lord, to get something from the truth tonight so that we can learn and grow and be effective in protecting our families, protecting our church uh, from false disciples coming in and trying to cause problems with false doctrine. Help us, Lord, to become wise, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so a false gospel will keep people in bondage. And um, people don't move forward like that. The book of Galatians is written to a bunch of believers that did believe the right gospel. So they were born again, but someone came in afterwards and started to confuse them, started to give them ideas that, that weren't a part of what Paul gave them. And that's why Paul wrote the book of Galatians to them to straighten this out. Because he knew that if they start giving ear to this stuff, 
it's going to keep them in bondage and it's going to keep them from being what God wants them to be. So that's why we think it's important to keep us, ourselves aware of these problems that are out there. In Galatians 2, 4, it says, And that because of false brethren, unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. And so they'll come in, they'll look around, they'll, they'll, they'll feel out the liberty that you have, just so they can tell you things that'll bring you, little by little, into the bondage of the law. And so into a law-based thinking once again. And I've had that here. We've had to approach people. And, you know, and I don't necessarily always, you know, go and kick somebody out or, or just say, get out of here. You know, maybe I should do that more often, but I don't do that. Uh, you know, I, I just keep my eyes open. You know, we've had a, a situation recently where I called all the men of the church into a meeting and I just said, guys, I want to let you know that this is what's going on. There's this person and he's, he's uh, giving out this type of doctrine and I just want you to know that because I'm not willing just to throw them out into the streets here because you've got children, you've got other people that are, you know, maybe the Lord will get a hold of these people. And so as long as we can, we want them to be underneath the teaching and preaching of God's word. But at the same time, we can't be stupid, <laughs> you know? And so I wanted the men to get on board because then they can keep their eyes open and their ears open. If they hear anybody saying stuff, they can just say, hey guys, that's not truth. And you know, let's have mercy on these people, but at the same time, don't give in to this false message they're, they're giving out, you know? And so I, I always look at it, you know, anybody can come to church, but as soon as their message starts hurting people or redirecting the belief or faith of somebody, that's when we have to step in. That's when we have to deal with people, you know? Maybe some of you came in here and you had an idea of the gospel that wasn't right, you know? Aren't you glad we didn't feel you out and kick you out the door, <laughs> you know? Many people come from backgrounds like that, and we want them to be able to come in, hear the truth, and readjust their doctrine. Maybe get saved, go forward. I want that for people, you know? But at the same time, I'm not willing to sacrifice you for it, <laughs> you know? So it's a very, it's a delicate balance to, to balance these things and to when do you do it, when do you step on this, when do you deal with them, and so forth. But that's where it helps when you yourself, in times like this, say, hey, we need to be informed about this. We need to understand this so that when I hear it or maybe this person comes to me, I can just say, hey, you know what? What you're telling me is not, is not according to Scripture. And I'd appreciate if you wouldn't say that around God's people at Airdrie Baptist Church. See, what's happening is you're admonishing that person. And the Bible says after the first and second admonition, then it says to reject them. But you do give them opportunity. Amen? So you don't just kick them out when you hear that they may have some weird views on things. But if you're, if you're having to admonish them over and over, that's when you say, hey, you know, you got to stop this. I remember one time in my home church, uh, I wasn't pastoring there. I was still in college. And we had this guy come in. And he came to the service, but then afterwards, and this is when they do it. They don't do it during the preaching time. They do it during fellowship time. So they'll draw you aside, and that's when they'll start talking to you about all these different things. And the problem is what this guy did is he came to me. <laughs> you know, that was a mistake because I immediately, I took this very personal. I'm a college student with a lot of zeal, and I really didn't care what he thought about it. And... So I just basically said, you're preaching a false gospel. 
And I went and told the pastor, and you know, he had done it to several more people. And so the pastor approached him and says, you're going to have to leave. I need to kick him out. You know, because he wouldn't stop. He thought he was so right that he was going to correct the whole church of 600 people. He was the one. He was sent by God you know, to come in there. Well, that wasn't true. He was a false teacher, and he didn't realize, but Satan was using him, trying to bring people into bondage, trying to teach them they could lose their salvation, these different things. That's a bondage message. If somebody's trying to tell you you can lose your salvation, well, what they're really trying to tell you is, if you're not going to do this, this, and this, and this, you're going to lose it. So they're bringing you into a law-based bondage again. That all you got to focus on all these different little things and don't eat meat and don't do this and don't do that. And <laughs> now I'm back to this list of requirements to go to heaven. And that's what they want to do. They spy out your liberty. They don't like it that you're, you've got a free salvation. There's some groups that are mad at you because of that. Amen. But folks, it's free to us, not to Christ. It cost him dearly to purchase your salvation, but to us, it is free. And so in Galatians 5, verse 1, it says this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. So if they bring one aspect up, what they're really trying to do is bring you right into a complete law-based system. And the problem is, like he said before, none of these people were keeping the law. They were all lawbreakers, but they were focusing on one thing to try to get you to do, to bring you into bondage, while they themselves were already failing at the message that they were giving you. And that's what's happening out there. And so it goes on to say, Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. Ye are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Amen. Uh, Galatians 6.13, it says this, For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. <laughs> you know, they can make a big deal about your flesh. And we looked at this morning, in the flesh, there's no man that can be justified. If we're going to be justified, it's going to be based on what the Spirit has done in you. The, the new birth, amen, that's what brings justification. That's what brings regeneration. Not your flesh, not anything you can do in your body, amen. Your baptism, it's a part of religion. It's not a part of salvation, amen. And I tell people, this is the way I explain it. I say there's salvation, which is vertical, and there's religion, which is horizontal. Our religion is towards one another. Our salvation is towards God. And the problem is, if you're lost and you're not saved and you try to have religion, <laughs> what happens is you try establishing something that will get you towards God. But that's not how religion is supposed to work. The Bible talks about pure religion. Pure religion is not something that comes from earth. It's not something that comes from you. It's nothing you can produce. Pure religion has to come from God. He becomes the fountain. He becomes the source. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So that means that you have to establish your salvation before you can have religion. Amen? 
Your religion is an outflow of your salvation. I always say, it's a one-way street with God. It starts with Him, it comes down to you, and it flows out of your belly. That's the way it works. Never does it ever go back. He says, I don't need your stuff. I just need to work through you. I just need to do something through your life so I can reach those souls down there. Don't try to give me something. He says, what I need is what my son's already done. It's already complete in, in Jesus Christ. You don't, don't try to add to that. And that's what these guys were trying to do. They were trying to add to the, to the sacrifice that Jesus already made on the cross of Calvary. Amen? So that's a great way to, just a simple way to keep that in your mind, to explain it to people. When they're talking to you, what are they talking about? Are they mixing their religion with salvation? Are they saying, by me doing this on this earth, somehow it's going to establish a salvation with God? Well, that's false. It's false. You have no pure religion until you have Christ in you. And you have no pure religion until you allow Christ to live through you. That's where religion begins. And so that's why I always say God works from the inside out. He doesn't work from the outside in. He doesn't start on what you do and then, then works his way into your spirit. He gives you a gift in your spirit and then he works from that spirit outwards. Amen? But that initial gift has to be a gift because there's nothing you can do to get it. It has to be gifted to you. It's called the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? And so, <clears throat> see, we move on here. The flesh will also bring carnally-minded Christians into bondage as well. We talked about this last week. I don't want to spend time here but I want you to think about this again, where in Galatians 5.13, it says, For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And I know sometimes it's difficult because as preachers, we want people to do something so bad sometimes, we almost put it in a position of you have to do this. <laughs> and you do it because I'm telling you so. But that's not the Christian life. The Christian life isn't just because the preacher is telling you to do it. The Christian life is because you want to do it. You want God to work through you. You want to uh, be a good example and a good testimony to others. And so what happens is you've got people that are on one side that say, oh, we're, we're at set at liberty, which is true. And so they say, it doesn't matter how we dress. doesn't matter how we act. doesn't matter all these things because I'm saved. <laughs> well, well, sure, you're saved. Well, if you have that kind of attitude, I'd question it, but you, know, but you could be saved and still have a wrong philosophy of the Christian life. And so the preacher reacts to that and starts saying, this is what you got to do. And, and he gets back to this law-based preaching to get these libertarians that are abusing the, the liberty back into line. But I don't think that's the way we need to do it. I think we need to teach why it is, it is important for you to dress right. Why is it that you shouldn't show off the curves of your body? <laughs> you know, there's reasons for that in the scripture. And you know what the Bible says? And this is one major um, principle here. It says that in the next verse, it's in 1 Corinthians 8 9, but take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Okay? Now, folks, I don't know about you. Uh, we live in a very decadent society. 
a very immoral, immodest society. Most ladies out there are not dressing properly. And I'm not saying this just because I'm a fuddy-duddy preacher. I'm saying this as a dad, as a husband. I would never want my girls to dress like that, you know? But yet we take our, it's almost like we're taking our our, uh, instruction from the world in how we dress today. I'm sorry, don't you think that the world being infiltrated with sin and corrupt, the Bible says that this whole world lieth in wickedness? Don't you think that maybe that also includes the way they dress? (laughs) Maybe that includes the music they listen to? Maybe that includes every part of their life? See, when a person gets saved, you have to change everything. Everything gets changed because you want God to change your life. And like we were talking about this morning, the spirit of life works in you to fulfill righteousness in you and to show forth Christ to the world. And so when a person comes in and they just get saved, of course, you're not going to just hammer dress standards or music standards on them. But what you're going to do is teach them what I just said. And with the Holy Spirit that's in them, I seriously doubt that they're going to fight against that unless they're just not right with God. With me, when I started going to church, I had hair down to here. I was in a rock band. Nobody ever came up to me and told me to cut my hair. And so I went to church services for a long time before I cut my hair. Should I cut my hair? Yes. (laughs) The Bible says that it's a shame for a man to have long hair. That's enough. Well, I mean, historical. What are you talking about? Do you read your Bible? (laughs) That's very true what the scripture says. Their nature itself teaches you that. That means anybody with, with, that is alive and breathing knows that it's a shame for a man to have long hair like a woman. But then it also talks about how that the women should have long hair. Now I need to use short hair. I'm not here to get on your case about it. How short is short? Well, ask the Lord. The Bible says your hair was given for, for your glory. And it's a picture. And the Bible says that the angels look down and they see that picture displayed over the woman of the hair as a picture of the covering of protection that God gives you because you're living underneath submission, underneath authority. And that's why many times when the hair gets cut short, what you're doing is the angels are saying, what's wrong with that one? Isn't that amazing that God actually teaches the angels through you? (laughs) It's true. And so you think about that woman that washed the feet of Jesus with her tears. How would you dry his feet? Your hair long enough to do that? (laughs) Obviously hers was. And that was a glory to her. It was a glory to her. She used her glory to dry the feet of the Savior. You think about that for a second. You know, what if she didn't? She wouldn't have been able to do that. And the Lord gives us these little insights in Scripture about what's important. And he said, well, that's just what people look like. And the Lord is concerned about that. (laughs) Yeah, but the Bible says the Lord looks on the heart. Yes, he does, but he also knows that man looks on the outside. And his whole concern is winning people. So what you are on the outside is very important as far as how people will perceive you and Christ to be.
And so we have to live that way. We have to take into consideration how it is we, we, we show ourselves to this world. But you know, it's not a matter of a law-based gospel. It's a matter of you saying, I care enough for people that are lost. I care enough and I love enough the people of my church that I'm going to dress in a way that glorifies God. Amen? Ladies, you love people enough where you don't want anybody to lust after you. And I don't think maybe ladies want that to happen, but you got to remember something. You're not a man. You don't think like a man. And so talk to your husband. <laughs> and husband, be stinking honest for a change. You coward. Stand up and tell your wife what, what it means when someone wears tight clothes. Oh, I don't want to come off like I'm not right with God. You're not right with God when you're not teaching your family. Amen? And that's because you love people. You don't want your, your daughters going out there and affecting young men. You want them to be saved. You want them to love God. You don't want them to worry about the carnal lust of their flesh and so forth. Because the Bible says a man looketh on a woman and lusteth in her heart. You understand? And so we got to be careful with that. And so that in itself, we're not talking about a law-based gospel in that. But what we're talking about is, hey, I love people. <laughs> and I'm not going to use my liberty as an occasion to the flesh. Well, I can dress the way I want because Jesus paid on the cross for all my sin. Sure you could. But you're also going to be useless in the, in the things of God. And not only that, you may be working against the plan of God. Amen? And that should mean enough to you in your heart. Say, so you know what? I don't even want to come close to that kind of thing. And so you're careful. Men, if the Bible says it's a shame for a man to have long hair, <laughs> cut your hair for crying out loud. Keep it neat. Keep it looking proper. It, has a, it does give a statement. Amen? Because even nature is teaching people it's a shame to have long hair. Ladies, don't be afraid to grow out your hair. The Bible's for that. And I understand, you know, my mother-in-law, she was dying of cancer. There's a time that they had to cut her hair off. She lost it. They had to wear a bandana and things like that. I'm not talking about being stupid about this, you know. I'm talking about that which is within your power to do, to love people, and to be a good example and a testimony of people. Why don't you do that? Why don't we do that? You're not going to dress the same after you get saved. You're going to be different. You're not going to dress the same after you, <laughs> you come face to face with a fundamental Baptist preacher. But the thing is, it ought not be the preacher saying, I'm just telling you this because this is what I want. I mean, that's just stupid, man. <laughs> There's got to be reasons behind it. There's got to be principles. There's got to be something that gives you a reason why you're doing what you're doing. Amen? And that's what I want to bring out to you as we go along in this church. So the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, it says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Well, that's interesting. See, Apostle Paul is saying, I could do a lot. <laughs> I could do a lot of things that I just want to do. But he says, just because I could do them, that doesn't mean it is expedient for me to do that or advantageous. And just because I could do this, it doesn't mean 
that people are going to be built up by it. So a Christian operates by a different set of principles. You're saying, how is what I'm doing advantageous to the growth of a young believer? Am I hurting them or helping them? Sometimes you get on your soapbox of your own liberty to such an extent that you're hurting weak Christians. You know, well, you can't tell me what to do. Okay, <laughs> but one day you're going to find out all the people you stumbled. It's up to you. The Bible wants you to discern that. He wants you, God wants you to analyze the way you live your life so that you can make the decisions for your home, for your family, how you can be a blessing to people around you. Amen. And to the church in here, in this body right here, you know. Let no man seek his own, it says, but every man another's wealth. That means you've got to be concerned about other people's prosperity, not just financially, but their, their spiritual prosperity. That's on your, it's your responsibility list there. So that's what he's telling him here. It says, <clears throat> whatever is sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. Now what he's talking about there is they would have this meat that was on discount that was offered to idols. Of course, there's no idols that's going to eat this meat because they're dead. It's a piece of wood. So afterwards, they'd take this meat, they'd bring it to the market, and they'd sell it at a discounted price. And so the Christians thought this was a great deal. <laughs> you know, we're always looking for a good deal. <laughs> And we go there, we buy the meat. <laughs> Paul says, don't go around and ask, was this over idols? Shut your mouth. Buy it, need it. It's got no power over you. It means nothing. But then he goes on to say this. It says, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast and ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you eat, asking no question for conscience' sake. But if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it. And for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That's interesting. So I can eat the same meat. The meat has nothing to do with it. What has to do with it is the conscience. The conscience. So you always get these people that think they're spiritual because they're pointing out all the little things about why you can't do this and this and that and that. And for their sake, you just back off and say, okay, then go eat at your neighbor's house or somebody else and eat whatever they have, amen, or go home and eat. Do you understand that? But it says, ask no question. So there are certain things, like eating meat, that there's no power, there's no sin in doing it. The only sin is, is if you're willing to take part of something that you know is going to offend or hurt somebody else that is right there with you. Because now if you knowingly eat it, knowing that it's offered to idols, that person next to you, oh, he eats meat offered to idols and he knew it. So you don't. I remember one time we were voting in Winkler about these video lotto machines. Now, those things are a curse on the planet. And they brought these video lotto into the bar because the town already outlawed liquor. You couldn't have hard liquor in the town. But the bar, all they would sell was beer. 
And so they weren't making enough money. They needed to sell liquor to make money. So they decided to get in video lotto. So the town also had a referendum about the video lotto machines. And we actually voted them out. And I remember I had a coworker, and I told him, hey, if you guys need to, I was, I was a supervisor at the time, if you guys need to get off of work to go vote against these video lotto machines, go ahead. I gave them, I gave them the freedom to do that. And then at the, I remember at the same time, you remember those mon Monopoly Big Mac uh, or McDonald's things? You collect those things and then you, you can win free fries and stuff like that. And I, man, I was a McDonald's freak at that time. I was going to McDonald's all the time. So I had a whole bunch of these. And so this guy that was working with us, and I don't know if he was just trying to get under my skin or what his thing was. Oh, they get you one way or another, he says to me. Now, I know this. Video Lotto and Monopoly and McDonald's are two different things. I'll tell you why. I'm going to tell you the principle here. When you take money out of Video Lotto machine, you're taking money from somebody's family where some dad was too stupid to put it into the bank account and spent the money that he was supposed to buy food for his kids. And you're taking that money and you're putting it in your pocket. That's why you don't do Lotto 649. That's why you don't do lottery tickets because you're taking somebody else's money and putting it in your pocket. And they, they lost that money because of an addiction and their family was not for it and there was people that are hurt because of it. I know that because I've seen enough people, these addictions. So don't buy lotto tickets. <laughs> Not only that, it's very frustrating when you're standing in line at a store and people are buying stinking lotto tickets. <laughs> oh, I'll take that one. I'm just saying, get out of here. Let real customers come in. You know, I'll take that one and that one. I'm just ready to shake this guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the fact of the matter is, when it comes to McDonald's, the owner of the company is wanting to give away stuff. Man, that's a Baptist dream. <laughs> it's okay to take free stuff. There's nobody else losing anything when you get that free fry, McDonald's piece, whatever it is. You just go cash that in. But you know, at that point, because I knew his spirit, I took all those stupid things and I just threw them in the garbage. I just threw them out the door. Then he looks at me, oh, I didn't mean to do that. He says, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and that's what I mean. We, we need to, who cares? There may be a free fry in there somewhere. <laughs> I was willing to give up the free fry just to shut this guy's mouth. You understand? And so sometimes we got to make a decision. Even though there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, you got to say, hey, I'm not going to have a part of that because it's stumbling somebody. They're associating it with something that isn't quite proper. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, many times at Christmas, um, folks, I don't care whether you celebrate Christmas or not, whether you have a tree or you don't, as long as you don't start bowing down to say, I love you, tree. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> you understand? But the fact of the matter is, I remember there's one guy in the church that we were in, and he made a big deal about it. And the church that I was in, the pastor set up a couple of Christmas trees in the church. It was a big church. They were kind of spread around a little bit. And so as they walked by the tree, this guy with his children, he would shield their eyes. <laughs> now, like I said, I don't care if you have a tree. I don't care if you like trees. 
You can burn your tree, do whatever you want with your tree. I really don't care. But I'll tell you what you're doing when you're shielding the eyes of your kids from the tree. You're giving power to the tree. You're giving power to it. And what he began doing is teaching these children that there's power in the Christmas tree. Yet we know all things are lawful for me. The Bible says that to one man a day he esteems one day, another one doesn't esteem it. Yet the Lord says, both of them honor me because one of them is esteeming it for my sake and another one is not esteeming it for my sake. So he says, I don't care whether they esteem it or not. It's just for my sake. And so I'm pleased with both of them. (laughs) The only problem is that when the one guy starts getting on the other guy and trying to force it down their throat, saying, you've got to hold my position. See, the Lord's not pleased with that. See, that's the problem. (laughs) And so that's the way I feel about Christmas, just so you know. (laughs) And, you know, whether you, well, whether you, um, uh, observe Christmas Day or not, or how you do that, really that's between you and your family, unless you want me to get involved in every aspect of your life. Well, would you like that? People come to me and they say, Preacher, we should preach this wrong. I said, Okay, can I get involved in every, every holiday? Can I come into your house uh, at Halloween? Well, <laughs> you don't want me messing around with that. Why don't you make your decision for your home? What glorifies God? I got enough to do. Amen? Now, I'm not for Halloween. That's one thing that's pretty easy for me to say. <laughs> you ought not be putting you know, costumes on your kids. They ought not be begging for candy at people's homes. All of that is linked to occultism. It's all proven. So you don't want your kids touching that because that is blatant darkness, blatant evil. Like, duh, witches, death, blood, tombstones, scouts, bones sticking out of the yard. Something wrong with that picture. <laughs> oh, just having fun. <laughs> this world is corrupt. <laughs> That's their idea of fun, <laughs> you know. Anyways, let's move on. Uh, I hope I'm coming across okay here. Well, what I don't want to come across is as someone that's just trying to force you to do something. I want you to send a scriptural principle for why you're doing it, you know? And you got to be careful because people will come, oh, don't you know that this is that? Oh, boy, we got to change. I remember I had the one person, that same person that was against Christmas and that he started, you know, reaching out to people. And all of a sudden I had this person come to my office, oh, you got to stop having Christmas because you're wounding my conscience. I looked at this person. <laughs> I said, you know, if you would have come from the clan of tree worshipers, I'd give you a little credence right now. Just because you listen to the scruntled fool that's trying to mess people's lives up, and now you're going to use scriptural principle to try to manipulate people to do what you want them to do, that's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> Didn't quite work that way. Well, don't approach your fundamental Baptist preacher with stupid things. No, by the way, you can approach me with anything. I'll treat you nicer than that. <laughs> you know? But be careful. Be careful because these people come in and then they try to manipulate your conscience. Well, oh yeah, I'm against that now too. Because, and a lot of these people, it's simply because they, ha- they don't have people that belong to them. They want to feel like they're accepted. And so they grab onto these weird things. You know? Now the whole world has to bow down 
to whatever they want, you know. And so there has to be a line there somewhere anyways, amen. Anyways, um, what are we at, 7 o'clock? I'm going to give you a couple points about the essence of soul liberty. The first one is this, that God has granted people freedom to choose. You know, God wants you to choose. You know, why would God in the garden, why would he say to Adam, you can eat of every tree of the garden, but don't eat that one? Like, all he would have had to do is just not put that option there. <laughs> you know, just, just don't tell me what I can't do and just let me enjoy life. We'd still be walking around in the garden. But the thing is, that's not what happened. He wanted to give them a choice. He, wants, he doesn't want you to be a robot. He wants you to be somebody that chooses to follow him because you love him. And so make your choices wisely because he gave you that choice. It's a gift from him. So that's why a preacher or a government that is trying to impose and dictate and force you to do things, whether that's a state church, uh, whatever the organization is, it's not right. Nobody can force you to do anything. God gave men choices. You know, even in this church, you always have a choice. Say, but pastor... You've got certain standards. You've got certain membership requirements. You've got certain... Yeah, but you've got a choice whether you want to be here or not. You always have a choice. You can walk right out the door. Nobody's going to chase after you with a stick. <laughs> Beat you up in the, in the alleyway. You know, that's not going to happen. Because we have what's called individual soul liberty. We can all choose for ourselves what we want to do, what we get involved with. But like I said last week... When you make a choice to do something, there's always parameters, requirements, and accountability for that which you choose to do. God said that. Don't eat of that tree. Why? If you do, you're going to die. Well, why do you have to do that, God? Because I'm trying to teach you that with your choices, there's always a consequence. There's a consequence for your choices. And not only that, there's a consequence when you make a choice apart from what I've told you to do. Amen? So you make good choices according to the word of God. <laughs> That's what he taught us. Right there in, in uh, Genesis chapter 3. It's a principle you can guide your whole life with. You know. And so he granted you freedom to choose. Romans 14, 15. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat... Now walkest thou not char charitably, destroy not him with thy meat, for whom Christ died. Make a choice. Don't eat the meat. <laughs> but I can eat this meat. I got the freedom to eat this meat. I know. But make a choice because you love the person. And you know what? In all respects, liberty was given to you so that you by love could serve one another. That's why you have the liberty in the first place. For that person that doesn't like the meat you're eating. <laughs> Amen. Revelation 3.8. I know thy works. Behold, I've set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. They made a choice. He says, because of that, 
I've set a door before you that no man can shut. <laughs> That's what I want for Airgy Baptist Church. You know, the city council, whoever it is, can have all their powerful decisions. But when the Lord opens the door, he says, don't worry about it. No man's going to shut the door. But when I shut the door, no man can open it. As much as you want to open that door, my friend, it's not going to happen. So choose. Choose well. Choose well. Make good choices. It has a lot to do with the success of your future. Amen? People don't realize that. They think that things are just going to go on when you're making all these bad choices. It's not true. It's going to come home to roost at some point. The Lord is just giving you mercy, giving you time to get your head straight. Amen? Uh, God desires free will servants, not slaves, to serve him. That's why there's verses like John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. He says that this is the kind of relationship we can have where you simply obey me because you love me. I'm going to reveal myself to you. That's where a relationship flourishes, he says. <laughs> you know? So it can never be, well, I've got to do this because the preacher says. <laughs> you, know? you know, the law has been given. Rules are given. You know, we got rules. We got rules for Sunday school teachers. We'll have rules for nursery workers. Ushers have rules, you know. But if as an usher, you're looking at those, oh, oh, there's rules. Oh, he's making rules. It's, you're, all you're doing is showing how you don't love God. See, because when you operate in a relationship with the Lord, those commandments aren't grievous to you. They don't bother you. In fact, you're fulfilling those commandments. You're, you're riding above them. <laughs> But a person that doesn't have a right relationship with God, they're always bumping themselves against those commandments. They're always complaining about the rules. Because the rules are there for them. If you love God and you're filled with the Spirit, those rules aren't even there for you. Because you'll automatically do it. The rules are there written in the stone for those that don't automatically do it. Who's the one that doesn't automatically do it? The thumb sucker, the complainer, <laughs> the one that's always making a big deal about it. They don't want to be held down by rules. Folks, if you're spirit-led, you're above all the rules. You're living a life above all the rules. In fact, people look at you, the Bible says that a spiritual man judgeth all things and he is judged of no man. Why is he judged of no man? Because he's already implemented an idea how I'm going to judge all things and stay above. And that, those are the kind of men you look for trouble. You say, there's got to be something I can get in trouble with. And you're having a hard time fighting it. That's what they did with Daniel. Man, we've got to find some... There's got to be something in this guy's life that we can use against him. Ultimately, they had to use the one thing that was his strength, and that is his love for God. They used his love for God against him because they knew that he would continue to be faithful to the Lord. So they knew that he'd continue to pray to his God. So they said, hey, anybody that won't pray to the king and pray to any other God, we're going to throw him in the lion's den. Well, I mean, it's kind of a duh moment. Daniel's going to be in the lion's den. 
But in the midst of that, God says, I'll hold the mouth of the lion. Yes, you will be put in the lion's den, but God will meet you in the lion's den. Notice that they were still hungry. Because when it was all said and done, the king was kind of mad at how he was manipulated. All those people that brought that against Daniel, he threw them into the lion's den. And the Bible says that the lions had mastery over them. You know what mastery is? That means there were no bones left. <laughs> they were gnawing those guys down. They completely destroyed them. So it wasn't like the lions weren't hungry. They would have loved to eat Daniel. <laughs> if it weren't for that angel. Amen? So God desires free will servants. And all men are accountable to God for your decisions. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. That means you will be held accountable for the decisions you're making in your life. Every one of us. In Ecclesiastes 11.9 it says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart. La-di-da-di-da. Then he says, And in the sight of thine eyes, but know thou, for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. He's saying, Go ahead. Enjoy life. Walk according to your heart. Just go at it, but keep one thing in your head that God is going to judge everything. It's all going to come to light. Well, that changes things, you know. Well, then maybe I won't necessarily go after my heart. Maybe I need something else to guide my life, like principle, and not the deceitful heart. Amen? And so right decisions lead... Right decisions will lead you to bad consequences. Did you know that? You've got to be ready for that in this world, I'm saying, not in the next. The Bible says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So your choice to live godly will cause people to pursue after you. So on the job, when you try doing right, you try being a witness during break time, not during work time. You read your Bible, you, you, you're not cursing, you're not listening to the bad music, you're not being a dummy, <laughs> you know. People look at you, then they say, hey, we need to find what this Achilles heel is in this guy. They pursue after you. That's what persecution means. So there is consequences for your decisions. And that's as far as I'm going to go. I got another point that I'm, I want to preach yet on guidelines for liberty and what will help you make, how, live that life of liberty that God wants you to have. But I just want you to understand that there is godly choices will bring consequences in this wicked world. And folks, so if we stand upon the truth, there's going to be backlash. So if you're not wanting backlash, don't go to a Bible preaching church. But if you want to see God deliver, go to a Bible preaching church. Amen. Because God will keep us safe. He's done it so far. You know, sometimes you just don't know how things are going to turn up. You know, you just keep doing right, keep doing the right thing. And you know what? The good comes out at the end. You just got to be true to it. Amen.
Let's bow our heads. Thank you for your patience tonight as I went through this. No, my voice isn't too terribly dynamic tonight to keep you awake. But I hope the truth was dynamic enough for you. First of all, what about these people coming in and bringing these false messages? Can I count on you? Can God count on you to admonish these folks and say, that's not right? Because you may just be saving someone else from a whole lot of trouble when you stand up and you correct these situations. Don't always leave it to the preacher. You need some good men and women that, that have a Holy Spirit-filled heart and in the spirit of love tell people, that's not right. You can't do that. You can't do that here. I love these people too much. What about some of those things that maybe you're saying, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I got my own life. No preacher's going to tell me what to do. There's no rules that are going to tell me what to do. Folks, what if it's hurting somebody? What if it's hindering somebody from being everything they can be for the Lord? Are you willing to say, you know what, I'm going to let go of this? Are you willing to have that kind of a heart for the things of God? That's what liberty is all about. It's about the love to serve people. Not just the people you like, but all people to be there for them. And then realize God made you to choose. What kind of choices are you making? Do you realize there's consequences? Are you uh, making a, taking an inventory of your philosophies? Sometimes I hear people say things about their philosophies and saying, where in the world do you get that from the Bible? There's a consequence for these false philosophies, folks. And so will you, are you willing to take those philosophies and bring them to the truth of the Scripture and say, you know what, I'm willing to change the way I think about things because I don't want to hurt people.